On this episode of Resi Week, Best Buy has unlimited total tech support for 200 bucks. The passing of Titans and Echoes are recording you and sending it. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 121, Name Defended. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment, and by Draper. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Rich Fergosa. You know him as Uncle Richard. He is the principal and founder of Fergosa Design. How are you, sir? Good, Mellow West Coast. Greetings. And before we begin, a happy birthday hey, oh, to, to you. you. Happy hey, birthday oh, to hey, you. To you, Tim Albright. Um, I feel like we should be doing like a mariachi. That seems, that seems fun. Oh, we should get you a hat with like moose... Uh, we're, we're, we're off the rails. I was just going to wish. We're done. We're really done. Happy, so birthday. the person that we are wishing a belated, no, not even belated, a happy birthday to is Tim Albright. He's the founder of AV Nation and it's his birthday today. We are recording this on May happy, 29th. Happy, so happy birthday, yes. buddy. It won't post until after feel, my birthday. So. Do you feel older? Thank you. Sir. No, do you? I, 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 it's a, every day, every day I, talk I haven't you. got to that age demographic yet so i i just i really don't know you were still waiting for his to drop so <laughs> yeah yeah and on that note <laughs> let's jump right into a story that comes to us from ce pro best buys geek squad has rolled out a 200 dollars all in unlimited tech support plan nationwide you heard that correctly it's 200 dollars unlimited tech support per year for uh, their customers. They have been doing a pilot pro project pro, uh, program for the last few months uh, with over uh, essentially almost a quarter of a million people where they've helped them set up, troubleshoot, and fix their technology. They are planning to, uh, again, include in-store repairs, uh, appliance installations, computer setup, both uh, on-site and over-the-phone support. This is all building off their existing uh, Geek Squad technical team, uh, which last year serviced uh, or provided service more than 16 million times. Rich, I want to start with you on this. This has been this has been that recurring RMR support holy grail that everyone has talked about for years within our industry, and no one seemed to implement it. Is Best Buy in the best position to do this? Um, on one hand, yes. Uh, I, I would say here, here the, I would be interested to know, not that they would ever divulge it, what the bulk of their service tickets are. And, and keep in mind is that um, Best Buy has moved quickly into becoming a white goods seller. So again, mm-hmm. they, you know, in the beginning it was, you know, you had the lines upon lines of DVDs and Blu-rays that were down there. Those are gone. They're replaced now by the, the, the wall of cell phones. Um, you have the line upon line upon speakers that were out there. That's all now been replaced by putting Magnolia stores in there. Um, you know, what are the big things that they sell these days? Laptops, desktop computers, 
televisions, and mobile accessories. And appliances. Uh, and appliances, a ton of appliances. Yeah. So for what Geek Squad is doing, if you think about it, even though they do have huge brick and mortar presence, the actual, um, uh, you know, the, the verticals that they're dealing with are, are pretty specific. So you can figure mm -hmm. that a lot of times the Geek Squad visit is going to be reboot a router, reboot a cable modem, restart a computer, help somebody recover their photos or virusware or anything that's going on. It's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, they, they are providing a service that in the old days, somebody may have brought their device into radio shack for it. it no longer exists. Yeah. Um, so that is far different of a product that you're dealing with than say the CI market where you've got a distributed audio system, you've got the doorbell, you've got the video doorbell, you've got, a variety of things out there that you may be servicing on a standpoint that is a lot more um, a case by case basis where, where this all in one, I have a feeling what they did is they looked at their numbers and they said, 80% of our service calls are going to be solved by sending a, a technician with minimal training um, or, and or phone support from, you know, a tier one engineer back at the office to be able to walk them through it. So, I mean, there's the possibility for, if you look at what they potentially are paying their technicians in the field, you know, absolutely. And they're supporting their product. I mean, they're, they're, they're selling their product. So it is an extension of beyond their warranties and they have a different margin, obviously based on their size than a smaller company is going to do, you know, do, does it, you know, so are, is it an apples to apples comparison? It really isn't. I think that CI, um, and, and integrators or, or eskies, and we'll bring that back. Eskies. We're bringing it back. We're going to bring the eskies. Eskies. The eski um, is and no way support or endorse the use of the eski. <laughs> is is has a little bit more of a difficult road to to traverse with with their clients because they are dealing with more. And so, um, you know, have they hit the RMR holy grail? No, but they're probably closer than, than anybody so far. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I would want to look at, I mean, the first thing I'm going to start looking at, and they haven't had a chance to peek at it yet, is what their terms and limitations are. That's where they get you, right? Yeah. You know, that's, that's where they always going to get you. So uh, we'll see. But it's a start. I mean, and again, as, as, a, as an esky, um, <laughs> you, you ought to at least look at this as a lesson to be able to say, Hey, look, you know, they're offering it for X, but it only covers Y. So it's, it's a great opportunity, honestly, to sell against it. If yeah. you're, if you're paying attention. Tim, when we look at this and, and Rich brought up cost, you know, when you look through their, uh, member pricing and member benefits, it does look pretty good, but I have to look at that and say at 200 bucks a year, that is hopefully at best two service calls. How, how, how much have they hedged on this becoming a behemoth that people won't use versus is this a, a loss leader for them or is this going to be a loss leader for them to sell into other categories? No, I think the loss leader is the DVDs and the, and the laptops and everything else. Um, you do some quick math and I am not a math genius. So I use my calculator for this. That is true. 230,000 people at 200 bucks a pop, $46 million, $46 million. I actually have to disagree with Richie probably for the first time in the time that I've known him. I think they have hit on the Holy Grail right now. Granted $46 million in the grand scheme of, of Best Buy is not 
um, going to make or break them necessarily. It may, it may eventually, but I think they've absolutely hit on something here. I really, really do. Um, you start talking about tens of millions of dollars in revenue. And yes, I, I think some of it is to answer your question directly is some of it is going to be, some folks aren't, aren't going to use it. That's the nature of insurance, right? And let's be yeah. frank about what service contracts are. It's a form of insurance, right? You, 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 it's a pile of, of money. It's a pile of time that you give, you know, somebody and hope that, that you're going to be able to use it all. Some years you are, some years you're not. From the provider's standpoint, you're going to have those outliers who, who use too much. And for those people you have, you know, extra fees for. And there's going to be people who don't use up to that $200 worth of, of value. But I, I honestly think that the, the bottom line here is that $46 million number and they're just going to look to grow that. Yeah, very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to a, another story on a bit of a, a bit of a sad note. And, and I, I don't want to talk about this to be sad and to mourn, uh, but unfortunately this past week, ViewTech uh, lost their CEO, Howard Sinkoff. He passed away and that's a story available on uh, CE Pro as well. Dave Wilson, who founded uh, Wilson, or sorry, no, Wilson uh, Speakers, uh, Wilson Audio, he passed away as well. This is obviously, you know, it, it's it's a sad time. Uh, our, our thoughts go out to all of their family members and their 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 company families as well, uh, and, and and everyone connected with them. I personally did not know either of these gentlemen. Um, Rich, you, you did. You knew both of these guys. Um, what did what did this generation? And and I, again, I'm not trying to take away anything uh, from their passing, but what did this generation do for our industry? Because I, I, I don't necessarily think that it was just one person of that generation that built this industry, but gentlemen like these two, they're the they're the people that that literally founded, uh, you know, things that we're doing today. They were the the blazing you know, the trailblazers that started our industry as they're starting to unfortunately reach that age where they are starting to pass away. How is that going to impact the industry? Well, uh, the interesting thing about it, and, and again, I, my condolences to their family and, and I, I met Howard, gosh, I want to say in 1992, somewhere around there. Um, and, and it was just an interesting fellow, but they represented two, I mean, almost as, as, as extreme edges of the industry, um, of the CI industry as you can get. And, and Wilson, I mean, again, we'll, 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 we'll say they're more in the higher end and then, and then the two-channel audio, but, you know, they both did have presences at CD at different times um, in terms of demonstrations. Um, but they, they were the people who founded Huge industries that were that were known. I mean, Dave Wilson as an example. I mean, obviously, if 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 you know high end audio, um, you know Wilson Audio. It's just they, they it is synonymous in some instances. I mean, there there are very few people that have a stamp from the the founders and the families. I mean, you have the Dave Wilsons, the Dan D'Agostinos. Um, I mean, you you the, the Mark Levinsons. I mean, you have these names that are synonymous with industries. Dave Wilson was one of them. He put high-end audio on the map in a lot of instances because he created works of art that represented the top echelon of their technology at the time. 
at, at the same time. And I mean, I mean, heck, you, the, the, the resale value of Wilson speakers is, is amazing. And, and we've been fortunate enough to work on several projects that, that had Wilson involved and, and it, it's phenomenal. Um, you know, it, it, it was absolutely the, the defining point of an industry and, and you just, that doesn't come around that often. Um, yeah. in a lifetime, much less in an industry. And, and so um, he was absolutely one of the trailblazers of that industry and, 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 and making that happen. And, and we are seeing a complete shift from it. I mean, the two channel world is far different now than it was 30 years ago. Um, and then you go with Howard and Howard for me was, uh, and his company, I mean, I, I dealt with ViewTech more than I dealt with Howard, but again, he was there. You know, when you ever showed up at a CD or a trade show, Howard was there. Um, to me, he was kind of like the blue collar of, of screen technology. You know, it was, uh, it, it was just, it was there. It was the taupe, it was the khaki pants, the docker pants of screen technology, right? <laughs> you know, it, nothing flashy, nothing crazy, um, but it was there. And, and to be honest, I still have a ViewTech screen that's gone from two residences, from our, residence, from, the, from our old residence to our residence here, and it's still kicking 15 years later. Um, and and some of the things that he brought out that we're seeing from from other screen companies that you know when they first came out they had their uh, what was it their vision art series I I I, I might be misspeaking in terms of the the studio series right their art screen mm -hmm. uh, you know it was they threw it out and yeah it was a screen behind and it, the paintings moved up and some of their artwork was. You know, kind of, uh, it was a little bit, we're just going to put a brush here. Happy trees, happy trees. You know, lots of happy trees <laughs> in terms of their artwork choices. But the technology, they filled it. And they tried to fill it at, at, at a, an affordable kind of lunch pail, you know, day in, day out market. And not only in residential, but in commercial and education, et cetera. But they weren't a big boy. They, they've never been mentioned in the same sentence with the big boys of screen technology, but they were always there. And so to me, that is something that's equally as important, where you could make a product that isn't quote unquote, the premier line, but could still offer solutions, still had a valuable place in the market, um, and was great, lots of, of um, opportunities and work for hundreds of people. Um, so, you know, it is the passing, and, and I, again, as I'm you know, celebrating Tim's birthday, but as I'm getting closer to 50 uh, than, than I am 30, um, these are the things that we're seeing, and we are seeing that there is a shift, and that shift happens as the founders of companies are passing away or retiring, and it is moving into the hands of the second generation. Sometimes it doesn't even pass on to other family members, and so... Um, you know, you see that in any industry, but but the the CI industry at this point, let let's just say roughly, we're thirty five years old. You know, as an industry, as an official industry, that's not that long. But we are now starting to see the generational shift happen. We, we it is now getting to the point that the people who started in who started these companies in in the seventies and eighties are now getting older and, and are now succumbing to age or retirement or anything that goes on. So we are going to start seeing these shifts, unfortunately, happen more and more. And, and that, that also could be an exciting thing because it is an opportunity for the way that it's always been to now be readdressed on how we're going to do it now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's uh, you know, I'm not going to get too melancholy about it, but it is sad. It's for me, you know, again, I, I started, you know, I was 20 years old. 
when when I met a lot of these guys. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's it, mortality does set in. And so you can only hope that uh, for me, they made an impact on my life, on my business and uh, my ability to do what I do. So I'm personally grateful to both of them and, and I wish nothing but uh, happiness and peace uh, to their families. Tim, as, as we look at the, the shift, some of, and many of them, not, not just some, many of the you know, founders of this industry and, and of these companies, they were incredibly innovative, incredibly forward thinking before their time, technically. Uh, in a lot of situations, um, are we are we on the verge of losing some of that? Well, it, we're, we're on the verge of losing their innovations, right? Um, you know, I've I've been fortunate enough to hang out with Rich enough the last few years, and, and listening to him uh, provide stories of you know setting up three gun projectors in the middle of the <laughs> desert somewhere, right? Um, these folks had had unique uh, cowboy mentality. Uh, and I'm not, that's not my phrase, it's several other people's phrases, in the very beginnings of, of, of the CI industry. Now it's maturing, right? And, and now it's becoming, you know, it, it's not something good or bad, it's just it's maturing into something different. And I think you're, you're looking, you're finding innovation in different ways. Um, I'm reminded of last year's CDM when, when we went into uh, the Screen Innovations booth, right? And they had done something unique for them and for their customers, and that's getting into Shades. Shades is not necessarily revolutionary. It was the way they were doing it. And I remember that, that uh, Stephen Bronner um, from, from Georgia that was with us, he was very excited about what they were doing, what they were able to accomplish. So I think that you're, you're gonna have innovations in different ways. It's just not these folks. These are the bounders, right? This is, this is, this is the equivalent of you know, the early 1800s as you're watching the, the revolutionary war heroes pass away, right? This is what that is. So it's not necessarily good or bad, it, it's, it is the passage of time. The, these fantastic men and women that have helped build and found this industry have given us some great innovations and some great things to, to build on. And, and now we're watching them kind of, like as Rich said, you know, uh, succumb to, to age or, or retirement, and now it's time for the next generation and then one after that, uh, because Richie and I are Gen Xers and we, we understand that there is one and two and three generations behind us and they're gonna have their own crazy ideas and some of them are gonna pan out and some of them aren't. But it, it'll be exciting to see what they come up with. Speaking of crazy uh, ideas that panned out or, or maybe didn't pan out, uh, this comes to us from NPR. Amazon Alexa has recorded and sent a couple's private conversation all without their knowledge. Uh, if you've followed this, if you've heard this, this, this made the rounds this past week, uh, supposedly a Portland couple had a mundane conversation about hardwood flooring. Unfortunately, their Amazon Echo listened, recorded, and then sent that recording to uh, an employee of the, the husband's, all without supposedly their knowledge. A bit of a, 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 bit of a big deal. We, we've always been talking about uh, Alexa and, and all of these voice control products with the caveat that you're putting a listening device into your house, the CIA or the FBI, they don't need to bug you anymore because you've already put it in your pocket and put it on your kitchen table. Uh, Tim, I want to start with you on this. When you, when you read through this article and Amazon's response to this article specifically stated that essentially there was a there were five 
events that had to occur for this to happen. And supposedly Alexa had to respond and get answers to her responses to send this out. I do kind of wonder, you know, I'm not saying this is far-fetched. I'm not saying this didn't happen. Um, but I do wonder how you didn't hear that going on in the background if you were just having a mundane conversation about hardwood floors. But maybe they had the volume turned out. Who knows? How much of this type of story do we expect to be accurate and, and, and valid and, and a true concern? So there, there's, there's two things. Um, I have two Alexas, so you know, full disclosure. I read this and the initial, oh my gosh, you know, it's the end of the world. Um, you know, of course, came about. And the uh, political cartoon or the, the funny meme where, you know, back in the 60s, we all worried about, you know, the CIA tapping our houses. And, you know, today we asked that wiretap to order us bananas or whatever. Um, I'm actually okay with Amazon's explanation because more than once, more than twice, probably more than two dozen times, I've given Alexa a command and I could not hear her response because somebody in my house had turned the volume all the way down, either purposely or inadvertently, they turned the volume all the way down and I could not hear her communicating with me. Um, so I, I actually buy this, this explanation. That doesn't mean necessarily though that, that I don't find it, I don't find it troubling on, on another level. Here's where that is. Um, that feature is not overtly marketed. In other words, I'll bet you the vast majority of folks who buy these things because they think it's the next best thing or it's great or it's cool or whatever had no idea that it could record um, and send. And I think from a marketing standpoint, from Amazon's uh, uh, marketing, I, I think that's a problem. I think that they need to be a little bit more overt about what they can and can't do and what mm -hmm. Alexa can and can't do. And then give people an opt out, right? Um, if you don't want Alexa to record conversations, um, you know, give them an opt out. They just, at the beginning of May, started marketing and shipping a kid's dot, right? That should be off by default. Right? I don't want Amazon recording my conversations in my kids' room and sending it anywhere on purpose or by accident. I don't want, I don't want an Alexa in my kids' room in general. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's, that, yeah, that's again, if you, if, if you are baked into the Amazon Echo uh, ecosystem and, and it's how you're controlling things, fine, cool, groovy. I get why you would have it. And the, the, the Echo Dot Kids version has certain things that'll tell you good stories, play games and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it, it's a neat little device. But there are, this, this highlights a, a, a concern and a lack of transparency in that one device that has become arguably one of the most ubiquitous consumer electronics devices in the last two or three years. Very good. Rich, when, when you see these stories and, and you've been an early adopter for, for years, um, does this give you pause when you, when you begin to spec this and, and have this conversation with your clients, knowing good and well that there comes a point where if you do offer this, if you do install this, there is next to nothing you can do to ensure that something like this never happens? 
notice that there's a red ring on the device behind me, which means that that device is muted, the microphone is muted so that it can't listen. Hopefully, and I haven't gone in depth in the terms of use agreement, that should technically mean that it can't hear me at all, but I can't 100% say that that's actually the case. It just may be that it's just ignoring um, the keyword. It's huge. Um, I was just reading, let's just for context right now, let's just consider. At the beginning of the year, okay, so it's, it's, coming on June right now, we're at the halfway point of the year, that at the beginning of the year, one in six Americans had a smart speaker. 40 million people had a smart speaker at the beginning of the year. Of that group, um, what was it, uh, 11%, I don't know how they get this math sometimes on these things. So 16% of Americans own a smart speaker. Mm-hmm. Of that 16% of Americans, 11, 11% of them own, a, own a, uh, some form of Amazon product, and then the rest are spread between Google and Apple and everything else. I'm sure that number is larger now, but so, you know, let's just conservatively say we are, we are somewhere in the 50 million user range, right? Mm-hmm. That's a lot of people who don't necessarily know what they're getting. They see the ads, they see the commercials, they see the technology, and think it's great. Um, me personally, I don't have a whole lot of information that if somebody gets it, you know, it's, it's, it's going to cause any, if somebody gets my information, it's not going to show up, um, you know, in the Wall Street Journal. I work for people, though, who if their information got out, it would show up in the Wall Street Journal. Um, and so the key becomes, and, and when I meet people who privacy is a real concern, not just like, a, oh, my gosh, you're going to see you know, the, the, you know, kind of like my, you know, you, you're going to see my hotel bill and what I, what I ordered in my room, my, my, my in-room movie services. Um, you know, there's a difference between embarrassing and, 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 and critical. And, and when I meet with people and this, and this comes up absolutely every single time now, you know, we get about, well, what about voice? What about this? The first conversation we have is, is what, what is your privacy threshold? Yeah. What do you view as your privacy threshold? What are you comfortable with? in terms of your data being available to a third party and possibly being passed on to a fourth party. Um, and if that answer is anywhere near, you know, mildly uncomfortable to no way that's happening, that like you don't want to do it. Because again, when we have a product that is coming in and it's a low cost product or an, a, you know, an entry level cost product, it's not the product, you're the product. And unless you're willing to be the product and, and, and deal with the threshold levels that come with that, then you, you, know, you, you need to be careful about that. And, and that is, from an education standpoint, is something that from the CI market, we've been very lax in. I, I've got to say, when I, when I, you know, I mean, there's Facebook groups that are posting all kinds of stuff about smart home and the smarter home and home tech and IoT and everything, very rarely does the privacy conversation come up? And, you know, because again, they're figuring, hey, it's a $99 this, it's $139 this. I just plug it in and away I go. So let let me ask you guys this then. If the privacy conversation needs to be had and most likely isn't being had in most situations across the board from integrators, who needs to drive that? Is that something that the integrator needs to drive in communication with their their legal team which they should have 
Is that something that CD of the organization needs to, needs to drive? Is that something that Amazon needs to drive? Who should be driving the conversation and, and explaining how to properly tell your clients? Yeah, you want an Echo? You want a, a Google Home? You want a HomePod? All of everything you say could theoretically leave your house. How bad do you want to be a named defendant? Yeah. How bad do you want to be a named defendant? Um, you know, the reality is, is that if, if you were going to provide the product, if you're going to acquire the product, or if you're going to sell the product to an end user, right? There, there, are, there are some professional and, and obligations and liabilities that occur with that. Um, if an end user makes a choice outside of your counsel, <laughs> again, there, there's, you know, you, you can't force a client not to buy something. Um, from a manufacturer standpoint, absolutely, I, I believe that they should be more responsible. And, and, but like anything else in a large company, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to toe the line as close to, to keeping it in the gray as possible. So let me ask a question real quick, Rich. Does this not come back to you and I talking with, with Mitch Klein, not last CD, but two CDs ago, about that middle ground of, of do it with me, right? Where the do it with me market, and, and real quickly, this is Mitch's idea, Mitch Klein from, from Z-Wave, where you have to do it for me, right? So you, you pay somebody to have everything done for you. Do it yourself, which I'm going to do it myself, right? I'm going to grab everything. Then do it with me is when you come in as, a, as an integrator, and help your client kind of, you know, integrate all these other disparate products. In that market though, what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong in here, we, where you have to protect yourself as the integrator and say, look, this is my professional opinion, X, Y, Z, whatever, whichever product it is. So as long as you understand Mr. Customer, Miss Customer, and you sign off on this, I'll do what you've asked me to do. This is my professional opinion based on my concerns. I'm still gonna help you. But as long as you kind of, you know, indemnify me of, of any legal action going forward. As an example, um, again, I, I, I'm fortunate enough that I don't provide equipment. I, I left that industry a long time ago. But if I was an integrator, if I was providing a proposal, and in that proposal it had an Amazon Alexa, a dot, uh, a valet by, you know, whatever. At the very bottom of it, it would have you know, uh, smart home devices provided by, you know, I fully understand dot, 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 and a place to initial, you know, and again, is that a start? You know, is that completely um, defensible? You know, it may or may not, you, again, you're gonna have to speak to your attorney and, and, and your insurance company about that. But if at any point you are responsible for acquiring a device, interfacing with the device, like, you know, OFA, right, o owner, owner provided, completely different ball of wax, right? But again, if you are directly responsible and technically profiting from a device that is yep. being placed inside a home, you have a minimum professional obligation to do your due diligence. Because I can guarantee if somebody all of a sudden their bank records got out and they messaged their bank records or credit card numbers or whatever it happened to be, secure information to somebody, you know, again, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, you know, it's like insurance, right? You know, you, you never, you, you don't buy insurance for all of the times you don't need it. You buy it for the one time you do. And um, it is a conversation that we've having with network security these days. We're having it with IoT where, you know, and, and CD is trying. Um, more and more vendors are trying. Um, but again, we're still behind companies who are doing 
you know, $91 billion in revenue a quarter. I mean, that's, that's, that's who we're still playing with. We're still being forced to play with them and they're not going to do us any favors. So there's got to be a certain point where you've got to protect yourself and, and you got to think about it. I mean, you could, you just can't take the ostrich theory with it, you know I mean? Because again, sooner or later, there will be a company who is going to wind up getting buried because of something like this. And they're going to be made an example of it. And I, and I, I truly hope that it's not, you know, an a, a member of our industry. Very good. And on that bright note, <laughs> we're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there. Uh, Tim, Rich, thanks so much for joining us. Rich, if people want to connect with you uh, and learn more about Fergosa Design, where can they do that? Uh, you can find me at fergosadesign.com. You can uh, typically find me on the Twitters and the uh, Pinterest of the world. Yeah, I'm going to start pinning now. Uh, at I can't, I can't wait. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he pins more often than he updates his blog. Now I'm keeping it just as <laughs> out of spite, just as spite. Um, Poor Steve Jobs. Poor Steve Jobs. <laughs> oh, so sad, man. So sad. It's like yesterday. Feels just like yesterday. Long story. We'll explain it some other time. Uh, but you can find me at R. Fragosa uh, or at Fragosa Design. You can find me here also with my compatriot Steve Greenblatt over on the State of Control. And uh, you will be seeing us later this fall. September. Fall, technically fall. You'll yeah. be seeing us uh, bringing some some cool news coming up uh, about what's going to be happening in the fall. Very much so. Tim, thanks again for joining us. Where can people connect with you? Um, well, and if they're watching this, you know, sometime the next week or so, they can catch me in Vegas. Uh, yeah. Infocom. <laughs> Infocom 2018. Uh, but you can go by the website or uh, Twitter's TV Albright and David Albright. Thanks again for joining us. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matty Scott on Twitter and every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avianation.tv. You'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the site, please take a moment to check out our underwriters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week.